Could you take your Bibles this morning and turn them to the book of Psalms? Before we get to the text for this morning, I do want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for just the love and the care. Usually when somebody's grieving or or there's a family going through something, I I as pastor kind of take lead and... uh, you know, see in what ways we could help or what what might be needed, but uh, I am so immensely proud of the church taking upon herself to care for us, for my family, for uh, Brother Chad's family and uh, Chad and Cynthia's mom. It means the world to us, and uh, it does not go unappreciated or unnoticed. It just makes me as pastor so very proud to see the loving hearts that this church has. So I do want to say thank you for that. Turn to the, you're, you're in the Psalms. Turn to Psalm 23, if you would, please, for this morning's text. Psalm 23. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day and for the blessing it is to come here and meet together with your people and to open your word. I thank you for the grace and mercy that you've poured upon our lives, Lord, and I ask now as we turn to your word for this time that you would speak to us this morning through your spirit and through your word and do the work in us that we need that only you can do, Lord, and I pray all that is said will be glorifying to you. I thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. It's probably a psalm you've heard many times. Um, I Heard it from my youth up. I think at one point I memorized the whole thing. It was just one of those things we did in Sunday school class. And and we've heard it many times and been preached many different ways. And I'm sure at some time again I will preach from it from a different angle. But that's one of the things about Scripture that's so wonderful. There's so many different facets. So many different ways the Bible can speak to us depending on what's going on in our lives or what we might be facing. And of course, today, this has taken on a bit of a different facet for me. You see, we're we're familiar with his shepherding in the good times, right? We like the green pastures. We like the still waters when everything's good and calm and right. And there's no hard times. There's no pain or there's no sorrow. 
And so it's easy to talk about God shepherding us and God leading us in those times. Or even in the hard times when things, when there's like outside pressure. And maybe we're going through something at work. People stole my car and it makes me <laughs> makes me mad. I really wish I had my car back. I wish they'd find it. But even in that, I can I can say, well, the Lord's leading. He knows what He's doing. But what about the times of profound loss? What about in times of grief and mourning? How do we talk about the Lord's shepherding then? Most of us here are near the same age, maybe within five or ten years of each other. And we are at the time in our lives where we will start experiencing the loss of close, loved, of close loved ones. It's just the way life is. Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time to be born and there is a time to die. And we, we know that, right? We, we know it, but when it happens, it's hard. And some have been through it already and have provided such precious support and advice Sooner or later, we're all going to have to come face to face with grief. You all know what has happened in our family and the loss that we have experienced. And truly, in the most real sense of what a church is to be, you have been there to weep with us, to help bear the burden. It seems unbearable, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. It helps. It truly does help to know that you have brethren who are there to lift you up and to help you along. But even with that, there's a hole, a void that is suddenly left that leaves us shocked and breathless and weeping and mourning. And then when you look for, for uh, peace or you look for guidance in the Word, you come across a passage like this that talks about His leading in every aspect of our lives. And it's one of those things that we believe it, but like we know it to be true, but do we feel it? Does it hit home with us? And here's what has hit home with me and what I want to speak to you about just for the remainder of our time is in verse 3. He restores my soul. He restoreth my soul. Let me be honest. How on earth does He do that through a hard time like this? Because sometimes, sometimes it feels really far off. In times of loss, you get a lot of people giving their support. Some that can say, hey, I've been there. Let me help. 
You hear a lot of one-liners and quick statements. God has a plan. You'll get through this. Things like that. Mostly because some people, (laughs) they don't know what to say. Or they mean well. And it doesn't make any of those things less true. And they're not bad things to say. I'm I'm not trying to come from that. But I don't want to approach a subject of grief and God's leading through grief in a one-liner way. I want some substance to it. When I say the Bible speaks about grief and and there is a work that God can do in that, I want to back it up with substance. And I want to simply maybe speak to you what has helped me over this past week or so. How can God restore our souls in times like this? Well, the first one I want you to notice is that He knows. God knows. Turn to John chapter 11, if you would, please. John chapter 11. Notice, if you would, verse 33. We're coming right in the middle of the account here, and we'll speak to it in just a minute, but I want you to see in verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. We know who this is talking of. This is talking of Lazarus. A close friend of Jesus. Probably the closest friends that he had outside of the twelve. He spent a lot of time with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. We see them pop up in Scripture multiple times. It's Martha is the one who's busy buzzing around the house while Mary is sitting at the feet. And, and Jesus tells Martha, hey, calm down. Mary's chosen the better part. It's Mary that comes and anoints the feet of Jesus and wipes them with her hair as, as she worships Him. And Lazarus was their brother. And it says in verse 3 and in verse 5, it says twice, Therefore his sister said unto him, saying, Lord, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And in verse 5 it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Well, Lazarus gets sick and dies. We know the story and we miss the depth sometimes. We know what's coming, right? Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus is brought back to life. But because we know that, sometimes we read the story and we don't feel the depth like Job's story. We know and we tell him, hey, Job, hang on, it's going to get better. Well, sometimes we miss the depth of the feeling of it. This wasn't some passerby to Jesus. This hit home to Him. In verse 35, that verse right there has been running through my mind. Jesus wept. 
You see, he knows. Jesus knows. The shortest verse in the Bible contains perhaps the greatest commentary on the depth of the Incarnation. The depth of the love of God in taking on human form. It tells us of the depth of Jesus' experience here. What contrast in those two words. God, Jehovah, who is our salvation, wept. And it means to cry. God wept as He felt the pain of grief and loss at the death of a loved one. Oh, there are those who will say that He wept over the unbelief of those around, and that may be true. Nonetheless, here in Scripture, He felt the pain of the death of a loved one. Someone said to us early on, right after Bob had passed, that Jesus wept because He knew how much death hurts us. I think that's true. You see, Jesus knows. He is our good shepherd because He knows. Any good shepherd knows what the flock needs, and Jesus does. And it's not by second-hand knowledge or from some intellectual point of view. No, He felt this personally. The pain and the grief that we feel, He felt personally. So when He leads us down whatever path He would take us, He Himself has walked it before. He knows every step that we take. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4 if you would. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, He has felt all that we do, all the feelings of our infirmities, literally the sympathy of our frailty, our weakness, our feebleness. Jesus has been there and He has felt it. Do you understand that this morning? Every temptation that we face, every pain, every sorrow, every struggle, Jesus has felt. And may I say on a level that far exceeds our knowledge, You see, Jesus knows perfection. He knows exactly what humanity was created to experience. And then He sees the brokenness and pain and sorrow that sin has brought. And right there in John chapter 11, He felt it. Perhaps at the deepest level before the cross, He felt the depth of human pain. And he wept. 
by the way, which means it's okay. It's normal. If Jesus never sinned, and His heart here is broken, and He weeps, it shows us it's okay to do the same. We should never be ashamed of that. In fact, God knows every tear we will shed. Psalm 56 and verse 8 says, Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? God knows every tear we've shed and will shed. Because it hurts. But the first thing that we can know in times of grief is that Jesus knows. He has been there and He has felt the same and we are not alone in the pain. And to me that means everything. In fact, look at verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The throne of grace, grace that is sufficient, Grace that is made strong in our weakness. Grace that is given in our time of need and grace that helps because, because God knows exactly what we are feeling. That's the first thing that helps me is that He knows. Secondly, because He knows, He heals. He heals. If the Lord is my shepherd and he has experienced the same things, then I can trust him to not leave me wanting. And when he leads me to green pastures, or he leads me beside still waters, and he makes me stop, I can trust him. And yes, even in the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Isaiah 53. Turn there if you would please. Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53, notice if you would verse 3. This is speaking of Jesus. Isaiah 53 and verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It's no stranger to him. We hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Verse 4, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. Jesus is a man of pain. And sorrow. He is acquainted with grief. It's not a stranger to him. Again, he knows, but it's not just that. Verse 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. You notice it's plural our griefs, our sorrows, all of them he has carried. That gives me such peace because I know that He's carried the weight for me. He carries me through it. When we do not have the strength 
He does. Because He has carried all our grief and all of our sorrow. Carried them where? To the cross. Where He has healed them fully, finally, and forever. How so? Listen, the cross is so monumental in so many ways. It's not just our salvation. And I know that sounds really off, but bear with me. It's not just the purchase of our salvation. It's bigger than that. The cross is bigger than that. It is the breaking of sin. The defeat of death by the resurrection. The beginning of the redemption of all things back to Himself. The cross and the empty grave is the proof that sin and death do not have the final victory over us. Christ does. He does. The One who has carried our sorrows and our griefs and our pain to the cross and paid for them in His own precious blood. Sin doesn't win. Death doesn't win. And the pain we feel is not final. No, there's deliverance from that in Christ. There is healing in Jesus. The wages of sin is death. That's what sin does. That's why people get sick. That's why people die. It's because sin has wrecked everything. It wrecks us all and it leaves us in pain. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. Life that death cannot touch. A life that sin cannot ruin. And that gives me such hope. Death is not the end. It's not the end. In fact, for the believer, it's just the beginning. The beginning of eternity, of joy and peace, of heaven. I came across a Bible study form that Bob, Bob led a local Bible study and uh, really was on fire for the Lord and loved him especially within these past five years or so. And I came across a form, like a teacher's form he filled out where he had to put his answers. Something about the coming of Christ. But just one phrase caught my attention. He says, even if, even if the Lord does not come back before my death, it's a win-win. Less, less than a month ago. He wrote that. The world does not give you that kind of hope. The world does not give you what Paul can say, for me to die is gain. But Christ gives that hope. 
that death cannot touch. Of the promise of eternal life in heaven. In heaven, we're just, we're just given glimpses of it. We don't really understand it. But the glimpses are enough to take our breath away. Like this, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. There will be no more separation. And by the way, I like that word, them. It means we're not alone in heaven. We're with our loved ones in heaven. Our loved ones and with God. He will dwell with us. And they shall be His people and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I can't wait for that to happen. When the pain and the sorrow and the crying are done. Isaiah 65 Speaking of the same thing, says they're not even remembered anymore. The former things are gone. We don't even call them to mind anymore. Revelation goes on to say, He, sat, he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, he said unto me, Write this down, for these words are true and faithful. God Himself says, you write this down so the saints of all ages can look here and know, I am saying this. I will make everything new. These are true sayings. These are faithful sayings. This is what waits for us. And for the loved ones that go there before us, though it hurts us, and though we cry and we mourn because we miss them so much, we know it's not a final goodbye, is it? It's just that I'll see you later. I'll see you someday soon, never to part again. All because He went to the cross for us, bearing our griefs and our sorrows and our sin. Now listen, there's a double-edged sword here. And one that must spur us to preach the gospel to those that we know because this hope we speak about is only for those that know Christ as Savior. Only those who have the eternal hope of heaven because of His saving grace. So we must tell everyone we know. And we must plead with our family and our friends and pray for the Spirit to work on their hearts. Plead with them to admit their sins and to accept Christ as Savior to accept the gift of eternal life that He alone can give because without Christ, it is a final goodbye. 
And I don't know how anyone could ever face grief without the hope that He gives. This is what Solomon talks about when he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, It is better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. These things tend to bring the important things back into perspective. I don't, I, I don't give a rip about my car. I don't, I don't. I care that people in my life know Him as Savior. And that is why I will preach Christ this coming Saturday when I stand behind this pulpit. That's why we preach Christ every Sunday. That's why we always talk about the cross. That's why we, we preach Him so much, because it means so much. You must be saved. You must ask forgiveness and place your faith in Him. You must accept the eternal life that He gives, because without Him, there's no hope in death. There's no hope in this life. There's just judgment and wrath and hell and heartbreak. But Jesus offers you life and forgiveness and peace and joy and hope. Do you have that eternal hope this morning? Do you know where your eternity lies? Oh, don't put it off and don't say some other time because we don't know what tomorrow brings. Hear the Scripture when it says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. I pray that you would bow in your heart and cry out to Him, forgive me of my sins, save me from them. I believe that you died on me for that you died for me on that cross and save me. It's why we must plead with our loved ones who do not know the Lord and to be bold in it because we know what this means. The sting of death is lessened by the hope that comes in Christ. Because of the cross, Jesus can carry our grief and He can heal it with hope. And that might be a process. It might take time and that's okay. But we're not to live there. We're to let Him heal us. We're to hold to Him through this. We're told this in 1 Peter chapter 5, Cast all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Have you thought of that? The God of heaven, the creator of all, cares what we are going through. He is concerned with you and the pain that you might face, and He wants to heal it and He wants to restore you. Now, does that mean I can't ask questions? No. I have a lot of questions. The writers of the Bible had a lot of questions. There's things we don't understand in our human minds. And quite often we ask, why? Why God? Why Him? Why now? Why this way? And that's okay to ask. And it's okay not to know the answer too. As we trust Him who leads us because he knows and he can heal in this 
because he has carried our griefs and paid for them with his blood. So not only does God know and not only can God heal, but let's finish up with this. He restores. We read in our text, he restores my soul. There's coming a time when the pain we feel right now will be more of a memory. That the grief of loss will give way to the anticipation of reunion. And the laughter and the joy and the warmth of the wonderful memories will supersede the stinging shock of the loss. We will, in time, be restored. Listen to what the Bible says about that. In Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1 through 3, it says this, uh, Jesus is speaking, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath appointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to comfort all that mourn. The Lord hath sent me, appointed me, to comfort all that mourn. And to point point unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. There's coming a time when we'll trade the ashes of mourning for the beauty of God in it. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit spirit of heaviness. I I, I don't know how he's going to do that one. But there's coming a time when there'll be praise and not heaviness. Psalm 34 and 17. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Psalm 147.3 He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. There's coming a time when grief will fade. When the time or when the pain of the loss will fade. And hope will spring up. Even if we don't understand it all, and even if we miss them terribly, God will restore us as He walks with us and binds up our broken hearts. It's not that we forget, no. But we just know that each day we go along in this life brings us closer to our reunion with them. With the one not only who has carried our pain and our grief, but the ones who have gone on before. He's given us that hope. And I want to finish in 1 Peter chapter 1. Turn there with you, if you would, please. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 3.
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept, we are kept by Him. Through this pain, we are kept who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Christ Jesus, whom having not seen, ye love in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the hope that he's given us. By his death on the cross, by his resurrection, a hope that burns bright within our hearts, that cannot be defiled, that nothing else can touch in this life. And it causes us to say, as the psalmist did, Surely, truly, His goodness and His mercy mercy follow me all the days of my life. The bright days and the dark days. And I will dwell with Him, both now and forever. So yes, He will restore my soul. Like no one else can. And it may take time. It's not something we rush to. But we simply let Him lead us. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. There is a time to grieve, as the Bible says, a time to mourn and a time to rejoice. But just know that the grief we might face for a season here is not final. Jesus knows, Jesus heals, and Jesus restores. I don't know how the Lord may have used this message. Perhaps it speaks to a situation you find yourself in. Perhaps He will bring it to mind when you face grief in your own life. Or maybe you can stand and say, Amen, the Lord does restore. Hold tight to Him because He is the Good Shepherd. However the Lord may have used this, I pray that you would let Him lead. Whether it's to peace and healing and restoration, or it's to salvation, whatever it may be. I pray the Lord would bless it. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for Your leading in our lives, Lord. The great and wonderful grace and mercy that You have given us. Lord, I ask that You would help those of us who are grieving. And though we have peace knowing that our loved one is with You, help us to work through the pain and the loss here until that day when every tear is wiped away and there is no more pain and sorrow. Lead us through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord. 
And as you do, please heal us and please restore us. Ask your blessing on this message, Lord. Move among us as only you can. Ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.